All hands, prepare for multi-ball. Hello, and welcome to Pinball Nerds Podcast, coming all the way from River Hibbert's Nova Scotia to the holes in the side of your head, introducing your host, Orbital Albert. Take it away. Welcome back, Pinball Nerds, to episode 250 of your fifth favorite pinball podcast. My name is Orville Albert, and that was my new theme song. Thank you so much to my good buddy, Mr. Eric Norwood, who did that for me. Uh, Believe it or not, it was not Christopher Walken. I know, I had you fooled just a little for a second, right? Maybe? Maybe not? Maybe? Um... Anyways, on today's episode, we're going to be joined by my good buddy, Eric, who also uh, has helped me out a lot with my Twitch streaming channel, and if it were not for him, uh, it would look even worse than it does. So uh, not that I'm able to Twitch live stream right now, but we will talk about that later. I'm also going to be tacking on Peaceman Nick's Pinterview, my final Pinterview from Pinberg on here. I wanted to go out with a bang. I wanted episode 250 to be thrown at the very end. And be Mr. Peaceman Nick being our going away. He was actually my first interview that I did when I got to Pinburg. He's who I stayed with when I was there. Thank you so much, Peaceman. And Sandy, uh, your lovely partner in crime, in pinball crime, I believe her, her name was. Uh, awesome volunteer for Pinburg as well. And uh, of course, you guys know about Peaceman Nick. Uh, you heard about him lots during all of those. And can I just say this? It took me over three months i believe in around three months he hit one thousand listens and now in less than the last two weeks since pinberg now i've been gone for a couple days i needed a little break i put out over seven hours of content in one week which you know a lot of it had to be edited and that sort of stuff again not that i edited even a single word or any dead air from any of the pinterviews but just i had to go back and take all the audio files and put them in order basically for the most part and get them all on there, which for me is a lot of work, which I, to every other pinball podcast out there, I don't know how you do it. Thank you so much for all the hard work that you do do. Did I just say do do? Speaking of do do, I do have a quick announcement to make before I bring on my good guest, my good buddy here, Mr. Eric Norwood. We got a new dog in the household. Let's hear it for Mrs. You guys ready for it? Mrs. Luna? Elwin Agar, yay! Oh, she's looking over here right now. Luna is our new dog. Luna is our golden doodle. Um, Luna is actually more of an East Coaster than my entire family together put together. She's eight weeks old, or eight weeks and four days or something. And and we, she basically was born four days before we moved out here to the East Coast. So she's more of a coaster than moster. Well, than us, anyways. And uh, we just got her yesterday. She has pooped on my carpet a lot, but that's okay. She's named Luna after Luna Lovegood, good from Harry Potter, of course. And uh, and then we named her Elowen after Keith Elowen because you know he's my favorite pinballer. And uh, she's sitting here right now enjoying her chew toy. Um, my kids are very excited. We had to get a Labradoodle. We couldn't get a pure Labrador or something like that. Um, or or um, 
any type of, of larger dog like that because my oldest son, Hayden, has allergies towards dogs. So we had to find one that was hyperallergenic. So this was a mixture. We didn't want too small of one either. So this is a good mixture. These dogs can actually get fairly large. Um, not as big as a golden retriever, obviously, right? But anyways, very excited to be bringing the new dog into the house. And uh, I'm sure you guys, I'm going to put a... a, a a picture there up on Facebook soon. And I know there's like a cats on, on pinball machines, Facebook group. I don't know if there's a dogs on pinball machines group, but if there is, I'm joining it. And if there isn't, I'm starting it. Okay. Uh, and to a couple of you have messaged me about the pinball nerds podcast cards. It is something I'm working on. I'm trying to get my homestead here all set up. I've got to get the chicken coop done in, in the next week. We've got a brand new dog in the house. I had to catch up on hours of, Pinterviews, and I've got a lot of great feedback from that. So I just want to thank everyone for that. Um, oh yeah, like I was saying, in in the ten days there, I'd amassed well over a thousand views just from those five or six um, episodes we put up. So thank you so much for all the new listeners. I appreciate all the love, uh, and you can hear him coughing there in the background. Welcome to the show, Mister Eric Norwood. Howdy. We are here today to talk about our favorite video game retro retro video game pinball games are you excited eric yeah that's awesome so yeah. you you amass this large collection uh of i would say most of the pinball games that were made between what atari's one in 1979 and we where did you stop around the year 2000 yeah, I like uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, we didn't go to Sega and stuff like that because they started to get more like actual pinball machines, like more graphically accurate and stuff like that. And I wanted to do the 8-bit, 16-bit and like, you know, Atari like 1-bit. <laughs> right, 1-bit. Super um, basic. Yeah, so before we count down our top five lists, so, I mean, is there any pinball machines that you can think of i know there was one really rare one that was like a hundred dollars you didn't get which thank you for not spending that i know you spent quite a bit of money on just amassing this collection and i hope that you play it outside of us doing the reviews you were already you know you're already into pinball and video games so this wasn't a stretch for you to add to your collection but uh you did spend some money on this is there any more expensive ones that you missed out on that you think might have made this list had we got our hands on them yeah there's a there's a bunch um, for uh, the TurboGrafx-16, there was one of them that's supposed to be pretty good called Devil's Crush. Right. Um, and there's another one called Alien Crush, which is similar. Um, and they're themed like, like you know, like demon and pentagrams and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, those were a little bit pricey. I was trying to do it uh, um, relatively cheaply. That's the nice thing about collecting these is that a lot of them you know, aren't great. So they're not super popular. <laughs> right. So you um, might actually find fun. them. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, you might actually find them at like a garage sale for like a cheap price, or you might actually even find them at like a, a used video game store for not lots. So lots of people out there listening. Most people listen to my podcast actually prefer from what I understand to play, you know, live actual pinball. But I also have lots of listeners just like myself that, Sometimes you can't find real pinball or sometimes you just want to chill on the couch 
or sometimes you want to remember being like a teenager and all the cool pinball because in between playing real pinball, 90% of us didn't, 99% of us didn't grow up with pinball machines in our house. We did grow up with video game systems and I do rem remember renting like Pinbot. And then when I found out Pinbot was a real machine, I was like, what? I can really play like my favorite Nintendo game, <laughs> you know? Well, that was the idea, um, is that they were trying to bring the actual machines to mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, the video game market or whatever. And, you know, they tried to keep true to the, the you know, the ramps and, and, and the shots and everything. But obviously, the Nintendo isn't powerful enough to emulate physics and ball spin. Very well. Yeah. And I know um, some of them that we played did have nudging, which I preferred. Some of them had nudging but no tilts. So you could just nudge unlimited. And then I thought that was dumb because, like, there was the one game. I think we had, like, 15-minute balls each. And, like, we were literally just, like, going and going. And you could every time it was going towards an outlane, you could just nudge. And it was just easy to keep going. So there's that balance of it being too easy to be able to artificially nudge and not having a tilt whatsoever and too unrealistic and having no nudge options whatsoever, which is also very irritating. Well, when it, you know, when it comes down to it, they wanted to sell the game and they wanted it to be fun. Um, and they wanted it to appeal to, to everybody. Right. Um, so especially the ones that are more kid themed, like, you know, if, if a kid was playing a game and, and he was going on, on, on the sides, if it, you know, all the time if it was super challenging you wouldn't like it <laughs> right if it was just going to out the out lanes like every 30 seconds yeah. like playing flash gordon or something like that yeah. wouldn't be exciting one of the kids games that i thought was just going to be like a oh eric i can't believe you got this why are we even playing this but it was my little mermaid that game actually had some cool shots in it it had some neat ideas that i think could be used by pinball companies um you know, certain there was. I don't even think there was ball spin. Uh, what notes did we have for that one again? Did you have any notes there for? Or um, do, do you have it was your fairly long playing um, each ball. Um, it was fairly smooth. Like it was like you know the scrolling on the screen wasn't so bad that that uh, it made it unplayable. Like it was it was actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. That one was one of the ones that didn't have tilt. And then it had some fun mini games, but I think if I recall, the mini games was still pin like right like it was just some other video game thing um i can't recall it, all. it wasn't like a video mode in traditional pinball yeah. where the video mode requires almost no pinball skills and it turns into just a video game some of them had those um like i think the one in high speed right that one wasn't even really like or was that one somewhat pinball related yeah that one i think they were still trying to stay true to the machines um but yeah like a lot of the other ones um had weird ones like uh um the pokemon ones um like uh you were just shooting that lizard it was fun um like there was oh, a lizard that yeah that hidden, the shooting. hidden lizard and it was sort of like it was part of peekaboo or like hide and go seek i don't know why i'm saying peekaboo it's because uh, i have a new uh, new dog in the house uh but it's a, you know, is still kind of a, a good video mode, um, but you still have the flipper, so it was kind of a combo. <laughs> right. Now, yeah. why don't you run through some of the other games, maybe the less notable games. I know, like, I don't know if we can try to do it age-wise, but I remember the, uh, the Atari one was, uh, well, it didn't, it didn't 
rate very well. I only gave it, so we, we, we gave all these games, uh, what, out of uh, 30? We rated them out of 30, I believe. Gave them like five different rankings out of five or six different ranks out of five or something. Anyways, it scored like a four. Or no, here it is. Sorry, it scored a three. So it wasn't very fun. I gave it a six. Okay, you gave it a six. Eric's a little kinder than I am. Um, yeah. It certainly uh, wasn't it, great. That's for nostalgia, right? Because I, I played that, you know, when it came out. Um, and, you know, the Atari was the only choice you had. Right. And uh, it was okay. Um you know, it's a four-three screen. Like, there's no scrolling. Uh, it's you know, a, sort of a, a TV-sized play field. Mm-hmm. Um, the physics are nothing like pinball. No. Um, and there was nudging, but the nudging also was nothing like actual nudging. No. And that's um, what I'm saying is that, like, you know what? Back then, when it first came out, even in comparison to Pac-Man or like. I don't know, even like winter sports. Man, I love that game on Atari. Or even in comparison to the boxing, the game itself just was very underwhelming, even for back then. But if you're someone who loved pinball, just the opportunity to play something pinball-like with a little bit of a nudge at your house, that's kind of cool. It's awesome that you even were able to get your hands on that one. Was that one expensive? or? Oh, no. No. Um, I've had that one for a long time. Um. I think I got it in a lot when I bought a bunch of games. Uh, okay. There's another one for the Atari that I want to mention really quick called Midnight Magic. Mm-hmm. That one looks a little bit more like actual pinball. Um, and look like, uh, like, I don't know what the play is like or what the physics are like or anything like that. I'm just looking at a picture because I wasn't able to get that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that one looks like they actually tried a little bit right. harder. <laughs> um, so that one might be a better option if you're collecting. To look for if you're, especially if you, like, and I know a lot of people listening to this will never even seek out necessarily, you know, a game, like going and purchasing these new, but a lot of these people either have a video game collection sitting somewhere collecting dust, or maybe you play, hopefully, and maybe you just have an old Pimbot sitting around and you're going to go out and play it, or maybe you have an old, like, what was that, Kirby's something, Pinquest or something like that? What, uh... uh... That was Kirby Pinball Park, or no, Kirby Pinball Land. Kirby Pinball Land. That one was okay. What was that, for the Game Boy or something? Yes, that was Game Boy. See, I feel like games like that kind of kept pinball relevant to a lot of people like myself, who are now between, you know, say, 35 and 45, in around that range, like, who were playing video games in around then. Um, maybe more so like, well, what was, okay, there was the two Atari games, then there was probably the Turbo Graphics ones we didn't get our hands on, then what was next? Yeah. Like one of the Sega games or one of the, no, probably the Nintendo game. Yeah, so uh, uh, NES Pinball, like it's just called Pinball. It was one of the right. uh, earlier releases for the system. Um, some copies of it actually had uh, an adapter, like they basically just put the Japanese version of the game in with like like the English ROM, and then there was an adapter inside because <laughs> um, they got it out so early um, that they didn't have the right boards, um, and I guess that was easier. I quite that like one, I this swear. one. I quite like this one uh, in this comparison one, to. I scored out of fourteen. Yeah, I'm gonna try to find it on here. I'm just looking at the pictures to refresh my memory. So just so everyone listening knows, this was what probably three months ago. 
Uh, you're off on Mondays. I'm off on Mondays, typically until I have to do Monday night pinball, which I don't have to do anymore, unfortunately, out here. But um, you're off on Mondays. I'm off on Mondays. And uh, we got together on one Monday and we kind of played about half these, made notes. And that's why I'm just refreshing my memory by looking at pictures. But then we got together another Monday a couple weeks ago. But that was, what, like two months ago, Eric? Three months ago? Mm-hmm. A couple months ago. Oh, my God. Not that long ago. Second know. session, yeah. Okay, second session more closely. And this was actually really good. Like, this is a, if you're looking at the pictures of this, if you just type into Google, anyone else listening, uh, Ness Pinball, the this was a huge, huge, like, step up from what we saw with Atari. Like, massive, huge step up. Um, do we have any notes for that one? I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, uh, NES Pinball, uh, the only note I have is that there's no nudge. There was no nudging. That so was, was my complaint. Yeah, because um, it had sort of, it's a long play field that's sectioned off into two play fields um, with flippers on each. And it and scrolls then, up and down so just for people you. listening. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's a little bit of a ramp on the left and there's uh, um, uh, a little bit of a loop on the right um, mm-hmm. and some other things. Um, cards in the middle sort of, uh, are like uh, drop targets, um, and it does have some drop targets on the left. So, it, like, they're more closely simulating a pinball machine. But then, um, for you at least, like, like having played real machines a lot lately, mm-hmm. um, having no nudge, like, there's a lot of shots that might benefit from that. So you were just a little bit chagrin. Yeah, I mean, having no nudge is kind of a deal breaker for me, fun wise. Like fun out of five, I gave it a two, but if it just had nudging, it would probably be a three. Like, so that would be the differential of it getting, well, I gave it a a 13, Uh, probably would have got a 14, right? Um, What was the next game? That was the, in order that we did Pinball Quest. Pinball Quest. That's kind of an outlier. (laughs) That was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, an interesting idea. I mean, they were trying to make something pinball-like. Um, but obviously, you know, with a fantasy setting and there's actually like a quest mode, um, where there's a story and stuff like that, like, like, you know, RPGs like Zelda and stuff like that were popular at the time. Um, and it looks like, yeah, it looks kind of like almost like when, when the scrolling stuff comes up with the words, it looks like Dragon Warrior or Link or Zelda, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, um, like you're fighting monsters that are running around on the play field and stuff like that. They're trying to hit them with the ball, but there's flippers, there's a ball, um, you're moving up on the screen, sort of on a path. Um, but, uh, you know, there's bosses, <laughs> boss fights. There is boss uh, fights at the end of each stage. Mechanics. Yeah. Um, which was super interesting. Like, it's not, you know, like you could never make it a pinball machine. Um, I guess you could sort of make it a really weird video pinball machine, like a virtual pinball machine. Yeah, I think um, it, it could work as a virt- virtual, especially there was like that, I'm just looking at the pictures now, there was that one kind of golf game where you had to hit it in the different holes, and then there's water hazards in the middle of the table, right? Like, it's definitely... You, lakes, yeah. Yeah, this like would have been one of the harder ones to actually really make. But it was kind of fun. Yeah. I, I wouldn't give it like you know, I, like I said, it scored it scored okay. It scored a thirteen. So, 
Or no, no, sorry. This oh, one, a- this one scored higher. Sorry, this I was looking at the wrong one here. This one scored a seventeen. So this yeah, was that's up there what I gave me. it to, and I gave it a five for fun because that's that's I mean what they were going for. Yeah. Um, you know, like they didn't nail the physics. They didn't nail like pin like it's not very pin like no um, except for you know it has flippers or whatever but uh you know someone someone sat down and they were like i'm gonna make a pinball game but it's gonna be different than all the other pinball games yeah it's definitely different if you're looking for if you're a person who loves like i don't know rpgs or whatever uh like you know what i mean that kind of thing then and you also like pinball i would definitely try this out um all right, the next game on our list here, everybody knows this game, and this game did make my top five. This is Pinbot. Rounding out the bottom of my top five list. That's right, Pinbot mm-hmm. for Super Nintendo. I think the best-selling, I'm pretty sure this is the best-selling ever, uh, you know, cartridge anyways for Pinball. I'm not sure. Um, I don't Certainly know. the first attempt to make, like, an NES game that was a direct emulation of, of an actual pinball machine. So people, right. you know, in the arcade, they played this machine and they're like, I like this machine. Um, can I play it at home? Nintendo was like, here you go. <laughs> um, now, is it just like playing it in the arcade? Obviously not. Um, we scored physics sort of just above uh, mediocre. Um yeah, the physics yeah, the physics fun. were harsh. The graphics were good for the time, very good for the time. The physics, yeah, though, is yeah. why it only got a one, because how the ball is so floaty is just not like that. Uh, where yeah. you're hitting it on the flipper was l- even less precise than PinQuest, um, but it had a very good nudge, probably the best nudge that ever came out at the time, like, realistically. What I didn't like in the game is you started to progress to the further levels the very middle of the play field turned into this monster that would eat your ball, literally, and you needed to go across the middle of the play field to hit, like, your left ramp, which becomes a very pivotal shot near the end to get to new planets, right? So it, it, any machine where, like, you have to cross an area of imminent danger to get to, you know, where the big points are, it's almost like you have to play the miss constantly just to throw it up in the bumpers at that point. It doesn't seem very fun. So, but you know what? There's better players than me, and, and the guy who is eating your ball is moving around. So you can just be patient and cradle up and wait. And I tried doing that. Um, I really liked it. It did have long ball times. I remember we played like one ball each, and we were like, okay, pretty high scoring. <laughs> yeah, very high scoring, and it, it, it's long ball times, but it's really fun. And that game, I think that game more than many of these other games, really made people go, now I want to go play the real Pimbot. Now, like, they would play it for a while, and they would feel, they would rent it somewhere at their local Blockbuster or something like that. And then they would go, I've seen that in arcades. You know, Pimbot was in a lot of arcades growing up. Now they want to go play it, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it came well, out in I think that was part of it, too, is licensing it so that it was kind of a cross-promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they licensed another one, which is the next one to talk about. Um, which was high speed. Oh, this like the the same company, or you mean Nintendo? Yeah, Nintendo. It's the same company. Okay. Um, made the same. The the, the games look by Rare. Very similar. Developed by Rare. Yeah. Um. And uh, high speed, like they had the helicopter uh, video mode. I think it is, and mm-hmm. then they had it like a, uh, they also added like a mini game 
sort of play field as well. Um, so that's the other thing is that these two machines, like they had the monster and the other one, and they had this sort of mini game and in, in, in high speed, they were adding a little bit of extra video game to the pinball game. Right. And um, making it even more fun. For that, that one didn't do as well as Pinbot. Um, no, I don't think so. Didn't like that. And then there was, uh, we didn't get to play it, um, but they also made a high speed two, which is a real pinball machine um, for the Game Boy. Um, and that also didn't, uh, if I remember, didn't, uh, wasn't very popular. Um, mm. So they nailed Pinbot enough that, you know, it sold pretty well. Um, and then high speed, they sort of didn't do as well, I guess. Now I'm on the Wikipedia page here for the list of, uh, games here and it's got uh pinball rollerball rock and rock and ball and pinball quest now of course we've already talked about pinball quest i own rollerball did we play that as part of our thing no i didn't have that oh i found that after we'd already played all these for like five bucks somewhere right (laughs) i'll just say this it's not that memorable so let's not worry that we missed that one and yeah. as far as high speed goes, it got even lower numbers, didn't it? Than even Pinbot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Pinbot. I gave a nineteen. I uh, gave a fifteen to high speed. I gave it a sixteen, um, so it was close for me. And you know what? Maybe uh, that's a little bit biased because I did rent High Speed, The Getaway. So High Speed Two, yeah. The Getaway from uh, Mike Dimas. Shout out. So maybe I'm just you know. I scored it lowest in uh, graphics and music. Um, Pinball really? got more in both of those. Yeah. Really? Pinball music was more fun, I think. The high-speed music, I think they were making it sound like the high-speed music, but but uh, it just didn't... Like, for me, not having played much high-speed in the real world... Um, didn't resonate. Like, I, uh, yeah, it didn't resonate. Yeah. Um, what was the next game on this list? I'm trying to read my own handwriting. Uh, it was Revenge of the Gator. Yeah, that was, was a, a weird one, game. wasn't it? Um, fairly. Um that one is sort of pinball like like it's a play field and everything and I think when you when your ball goes down the middle and out um, like a little alligator eats it mm-hmm. and that was kind of cute I guess but it's not really part of the game um, that I only scored a 10 that one I mean it's a game boy game so like you know you're already sort of limited by the graphics and stuff like that and and, and right originally black and white great, but there are other Game Boy games, which were much better. So right, it was okay. It was okay. I scored it an eleven. wasn't my favorite. All right, next well, again, time it was we'll... you know aimed at kids. Right. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the pictures here. No, I can see if I was a kid, it would be a neat game to play. I don't think like yeah, that was I... also fairly cheap to find. I think yeah. I just also wanted to say um, the reason I did this is because I'm you know like a like a vintage video game, not like I, I have right. lots of stuff. Um, and I also can't afford real world pinball machines and I know I could get one, you know, a fixer up or like one of the, one of the less popular machines for like two, 300 bucks and, uh, you know, put some money into it and have a pinball machine. But I like, you know, the popular ones, like I like Star Trek, the next generation. I like, um, stuff like that. You want the good um, ones if you're going to get one. Yeah. Like Twilight Zone. Yeah. And that's super expensive. Um, now, to be so fair, I, like, go ahead. <laughs> well, I can't afford those, but I can afford these. So right. just as part of my video game collecting, I started collecting. Because I had a couple of these, but I started collecting a bunch of them. And like I said, it wasn't very expensive. It was, you know, some of them I'd never played before. Um, some of them were a surprise, you know, 
Um, so that's, that's, uh, I, I understand where you're, what you're saying. Yeah. What I was going to say is not to like call you out per se, but I've seen your video game collection, Eric. I'm pretty sure you could liquid, liquidate like 80% that you don't play very often. And you could have a very nice pinball machine. Maybe not like a new in box, like a uh, brand new Jurassic park. Like I'm going to be getting for Christmas, but still, you could get yourself a very, very, very nice pin. I'm sure. Like, like just, yeah. just for people listening, you don't have to rattle off like your most rare or expensive games per se. But like, don't you own over like a dozen systems or something? Yeah, but they don't have that. Like, like first of all, I want to keep them because like I collect them. All right. Uh, and they wouldn't add up to like six thousand dollars. At least the ones I'd want to get rid of. Like, it's I don't have like six thousand dollars worth of doubles sitting around. No, no. I was I was thinking more of like you could get a really cool game like a Flash Gordon or something for like you know, a, a couple grand or like, um, even like yeah. a teed off, like a nineties game or something for like four, four and a half, something like that. You know what I mean? Not necessarily a yeah. brand new Stern or anything, but, uh, yeah. Hey, I've seen even older machines from the last couple of years go for five or six grand in players condition from, you know, he's easily five grand from in players condition that have had thousands of, you know, been routed and whatever. Right. But okay. So to go back to our list here, what's next on our list? Um, where are we here? Uh, oh, Kirby. Uh, Kirby. 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 I like yeah. Kirby. Didn't was Kirby one of those games that you got for free with one of the 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 packages? I think that they had on there. No, no. I I I'm pretty sure I bought that. Um, that is. Uh, I think there was uh, a Christmas Game Boy package that came with it or something, but I could be wrong. Oh. But this is to my memory, but Kirby was so cool. Uh, this game I do remember playing. I do remember my friends had. I do remember asking to go play it, right? Yeah. This one, it was not very pinball-like, if I remember. I'm just typing it in here so I can take a look. Yeah. The interesting thing about this one, um, this one, and also we'll talk about it in a second, Little Mermaid. Um, mm-hmm. have a vibration. Um, so it was a big, big cartridge and you had to put like a triple A battery in there. Um, but it had like a little vibration function. If you're playing it on the game boy, we were playing Inside it on the side of the cartridge. Player. Yeah. What? Why did you tell me about this when we we're playing it? I don't remember. I don't remember anything vibrating my hands at your house. I had it on the game boy player on my GameCube, So, um, you didn't get to experience you that, son of a bee. Eric, that's it. I'm flying back to Ontario so I can have the real earth-shattering Kirby's Pinball Land Shaker Motor experience. Who, like, literally, were those the only two games that had that in them? Um, I think there was there was a couple others that did. Um, it's a very distinct cartridge because there's a big, like, sort of bubble on top to put the battery in and stuff like that. Like, it stuck out right. of the... Uh, you look extra pinball um, nerdy. And then yeah, so there were other there were other games that used it that weren't pinball related. Um, the only other one I can think It's blowing think my of, mind that there's a shaker motor in this cartridge. <laughs> so cool. There was a Kirby game for the Game Boy that had the exact same cartridge, but it wasn't 
a shaker, it was actually a like an axis controller. So um, Kirby would roll around on the screen based on how you tilted the game. And I feel like we're late into this interview to do this, but what were the five? I'm just trying to read this at the top. What were the five things here? I see fun was the final category, ball physics, uh, graphics, pinball likeness, and... And music. Oh, the music. Yeah, that's right. How annoying or awesome the music was. Um, Kirby did well. Kirby did best in the fun category, but it just wasn't very pinball-like. No. um, The thing that I wrote down um, that I quite liked was it had a manual ball save. So if you went down the middle... Um, and you hit like you Kirby would land on like this sort of platform that went down like sort of like a spring. Mm-hmm. And then if you hit the button at the right time, you could actually spring him back out um, and save your ball. So it, it required some talent or some skill, I guess is a better word. Right. Um, but I thought that was really fun. Like, I don't know if that could ever be implemented in a real machine, but I thought having some control, <laughs> Um, however small it was over getting the ball back out uh, after you go down the middle uh, was kind of fun. Yeah, I um, think that I've even maybe mentioned in my top five uses, unique uses of a magna save, something like that, where if you pushed it just at the right time, it would cause it to do a, have a better chance of doing a Lazarus. If the magna yeah. save was, I don't know if you remember playing World Cup soccer at my house where it had the magna save kind of like an inch or two oh. above the uh, left flipper. Yeah. Well, if it had the Magna save like almost right between where the two, you know, flippers are and you could use it not only to gain control when the ball was getting near there, but you could also use it when the ball was going down between like straight down the middle. You could use it to suck it towards the left or the right, which I did do with the other Magna save. But not only that, a lot of times the ball comes in real hot from the right out lane and it's mm-hmm. doing almost like a bounce like a death save would but you without you actually hitting the machine you just use the magnet to kind of drag it back up there just barely enough to get a flipper on i thought that would be really cool or like where it's yeah. nine times out of ten when the ball almost does a lazarus you know it doesn't quite get up there enough well if you try to suck it up there further i thought that would be neat too and i know it's a little bit different than it was in that game but yeah. um now i don't My idea yeah on a real pinball machine is uh, um, uh, what do you call the plate on the front that holds the glass and everything in? Um, the lock bar. Yeah, the lock bar and like the like um, the bottom of the the play field. Um, if you put like a flipper in there, but you can't see it, mm-hmm. and it's on a separate button. Right. Um, you know, you could try and hit it at the right time. Otherwise, it would just bounce up and hit the flippers and come back down or whatever. But if you hit it at just the right time, right. you might be able to get it out. Um, that was sort of my idea. But you couldn't see it, so it right. very rare that you'd actually get it out of there. Yeah, and I know just from uh, the game Tommy, the uh, there's this mechanism that comes out and it covers the flippers so you can't see the flippers. And, uh, yeah, playing like that is so ridiculously hard. So yeah, as long as you couldn't see that flipper, as long as there was a way they could keep it kind of hidden underneath there, which you couldn't really see unless you're like had the glass off and you're looking backwards anyways, but yeah, you had to kind of feel out when to press it. Right. And I think that would be really neat. I don't know if it could be used in competition a lot because there are certain players who are already so good. They have to take rubbers off the out lanes and such to make the games harder. <laughs> and it seems like if the guy already had a 45 minute ball and then he, Oh, he saves it again. And then out yeah, the up lane, yeah. Oh, and Keith Owen <laughs> saves it again. And now we're into a five hour game. Right. Uh, 
Yeah, it's just a neat idea, but I, I can see where it would run into some trouble. It is a cool idea. I, I really like it personally. Yeah. I think it would be 100% should be implemented on a virtual pin if it hasn't. So, um, yeah, if you're listening, yeah. Joe Selvaggi, when you go to build your virtual pin, add Eric's extra flipper to bring it straight up the middle from underneath in the dead, coming back to life. I love it. Okay, I promised I would add Peaceman Nick's Pinterviews on to the end here, and I believe it's around 20 minutes. So that gives, doesn't give us too much longer here to chat, but let's try to figure out here. Let's go down the list here quickly. The next one was... Uh, Pokemon for the Game Boy. Okay, this one scored a Pokemon 14. Ball. I scored it a little higher. Yeah. What'd you get? Um, the 17. I mean, it's black and white, but the graphics were still pretty good. If you're, you know, especially if you're a Pokey fan. Mm -hmm. um, it was very fun, uh, but the physics were kind of crappy. It wasn't very pin-like, in my opinion. No, I only um, gave it a two for fun. I don't know why. I gave Kirby's much higher for fun enjoyment. Yeah. Well, maybe it was the order we played them in, because Kirby was, was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that one... We weren't super impressed with, but it was, you know, better than some. Mm -hmm. um, and Little Mermaid was actually more fun than I thought. It scored pretty low, even one lower than Pokemon Pinball for me. It only scored a 13. But I gave it an 18. That actually tied with Kirby with me. Really? For Little <laughs> uh, Mermaid? It was, the yeah, graphics it was, were on par, It was though. fun. The physics were good. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was sort of pin-like. I mean, obviously, it, it didn't have... It had a, a nudge, I think. Where's my notes? Um... Oh, was no it? tilt. That was it. Yeah, I think no it had a tilt. nudge. So you no can just tilt. nudge all so day long. definitely for kids. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, like, it was surprising, too. Like, like I bought it on a whim because it wasn't very expensive, and I thought, oh, this will be fun or whatever, like, just to see, you know. Um, but surprisingly, like, whoever, whatever team or whatever person designed that game, like, like you know, they were handed Little Mermaid or whatever. Yeah. Um, presumably it was marketed to girls, but right. um, they, they made a decent, um, a decent game. It yeah. actually is. And it's funny though, that you said that because a lot of times nowadays with like, well, I don't want to name any companies, but let's just say that Beetlejuice was supposedly going to be made into a pinball machine, but one of, okay, it's at Stern. Everyone already knows this is, this is public information. I'm not, uh, I'm not calling anyone out. But one of the teams there wasn't really excited about doing Beetlejuice. And because of that, Beetlejuice was just never made into a machine, even though, um, you know, the artwork had already been made for it by uh, Mr. Christopher Franchi, I believe, did it. And it looked really cool. Like, the, the artwork looked really good. But the game was never made because no one had a passion for it. Well, I guarantee you that whatever pinball nerds worked on this freaking Little Mermaid game weren't like, Oh, I love Little Mermaid. It's my favorite movie. I can't wait. You know, like, and I know they might not have been pinball designers per se. They were probably more video game dudes back then who hopefully partially liked pinball or loved pinball growing up. And I think they would have had to because there were some really, really interesting mechs and features and unique things that we had not seen in other games by the time Little Mermaid yeah. came out. Um, I think the gameplay itself wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, but the ideas that were in there for like a little boutique pinball company to go and to go back and play all these games and just try to grab one or two of, you know, interesting ideas that other pinball companies have just never implemented. I think it would be possible to do it relatively cheap, 
believe it or not. And I don't know if that would come from Little Mermaid or not, but that was my thought while I played it. Like, this is better than I thought it would be. Yeah, and like a lot of the games that have to fit on a TV would scroll up and down if they tried to have a longer play field. But we wrote, I wrote a note here that this had a very smooth scroll, so they did a good job sort of like dealing with the fact that you have a longer play field on a TV. Right. Um, and it had some mini games too, which were pretty fun. Um, you know, not as pin-like, but, uh, you know, lots of fun, if yeah. I recall. Eric, what was that game that the... Uh... When you played multi-ball, the balls could just ghost through each other. They didn't even interact or hit each other. Um, let's see. I'm just trying. Remember that one game we played where like you would be in multi-ball and they just. <laughs> oh, that was the that was the Super Nintendo one. That was behind the mask. Behind the mask. That's right. Okay, yeah. we're coming up to that one. I don't want to jump too far ahead because the next yeah. one on this list is Sonic Party. Yeah. Well, we skipped over Pac-Man. Oh, okay. Pac-Man. Um, Pac I have mine out of order on here. It's called Pac-Man Pinball Advance. Um, that one wasn't, we weren't too impressed with that one. Um, like I gave it, like I really liked the music, so I gave it kind of a higher score. Um, but the yeah, the music, I gave it a four. Uh, um, you know, the graphics were fun. The graphics looked like, you know, like a Pac-Man cartoon as mm -hmm. opposed to the original Pac-Man or whatever, but... I gave that one a 16. That one's like probably like that one would have been in my top 10. So I would check yeah. that one out. If someone sees it at a garage sale for cheap or can find it on eBay or Amazon for real cheap, I would, especially if you're a Pac-Man collector already, a Pac-Man fan, it's the same kind of thing with all these Pokemon games. If you're a Pokemon fan and you love pinball, like you almost, you you better get out there and buy these, man. After us podcasting about these, these prices are just going to go through the friggin' roof, man. Well, and this was the first Game Boy Advance game we played, and the Game Boy Advance was obviously more advanced than the original Game Boy. Um, so we're starting to get into slightly better physics, like a lot more colors, a lot more animations. Um, and that's sort of where we were hitting our higher scores um, right. for some of these games because, um, you know, they had they had a little bit more power to play with when they were designing them, so they were able to, you know, make them more fun, make the physics better, um, you know, more music. Right. Because you weren't playing with, like, kilobytes of information, uh, like some of those other games. Um, so, yeah, the next one um, was uh, Sonic Pinball Party. I liked that one. Yeah, that one's in my top five. Yes, that um, one is number two for me in my top five, actually. I gave yeah, that a I five on graphics. That's number one for me. Really? So it's yeah. my number two, so um, it's not far off. The only thing, the only point it lost was in the physics. Yeah, gave it a four out of five on the physics. I'm going to bring um, up a picture of it right now because I didn't like didn't. Now we haven't mentioned it yet, but I thought we played Sonic Spinball and we didn't like that one that much. That one's for the Genesis. That one we played a little bit later. So this one came out first. No, this one, this one came out later. The Advance Game Boy Advance, I think, came out. Um, uh, around let's say around the same time like like that that handheld came out after, later than the genesis and the super nintendo like it it it, it came out after the super nintendo okay um, well we really like but this it's still one. sort of part of the same era um yeah sonic pinball party has nudge um and it has good orbits and ramps um, mm -hmm. that's what we were you know that's what made it a lot more pin like that's why we scored it so high yeah it had great nudging um it had a tilt that kept you kept you in check. 
uh, it seemed to be wherever you flipped was exactly where the ball went. Like it was not a lot of the other yeah, the flipper physics were actually pretty good. Yeah, the flipper physics were really good. You could do like you could do dead bouncing on this one very well, which some of them you couldn't dead bounce at all. You try to dead bounce, the ball would just go like a limp, whatever, a limp sausage, yeah. just you know. <laughs> so, but no, this one was really fun. I and I gave this like. The only thing I gave it, uh, like, not as good for was, um, no, let me see here, four, four, five, five, four, it, yeah, basically, basically did good on everything, actually, that was the whole thing. Um, yeah. I, I only gave well, it a four on physics, but. Yeah, um, well, yeah, you're a more experienced player, too, um, but I like, like, I'm looking at the play field right now, and. Um, like you had to collect, like if you're a fan of the actual Sonic games, like you had to collect the chaos gems. Um, there's lots of drop targets and all things like that. Um, uh, I have to imagine like we didn't get far enough and I haven't done enough research, but I have to imagine that there's a, uh, sort of a wizard mode because there is like a similar sort of thing where you have to, to unlock things yes. until you get to a certain point. So this um, game would be deeper than most of these other games out here that we played for sure. Like more going on, more levels, more stuff to get through. Yeah. And that's why we gave it the, the, the high score on the pin like was because um, it like, it, it ticks all the boxes for an actual pinball machine. Right. Um, like this could like, like looking at it, like I don't remember how much there was in the way of silly graphics and stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. like, like sprites dancing around, but you could sort of convert this into an actual machine. Um, theoretically it has enough of the, the features of a real machine that you could, you could, you could do that. Right. Or very easily just make it a virtual pin. Well, I guess it's already a virtual pin, but I mean, if you want yeah. to set it up in a virtual <laughs> pin box, right? Like, yeah. Okay, um, so, yeah, what was the next one on the list here? Is that was it... the Pokemon Ruby. And there's my winner. Winner, winner, yeah, checking that one is dinner. just below Sonic Pinball Party for me. That could be a bias because I'm not a huge Pokemon fan um, and more of a Sonic fan, but uh, it did score very high for me. Um, again, like, really well-made machine. Um, it ticks the boxes for pinball players and for Pokefans fans. Um, Pokefans? What's a Pokefan? <laughs> Pokefans, because I was saying Pokemon instead of Pokemon. Right? Pokefans. Right? Um, because, you know, like you're you're trying to collect them all. You know, like you're trying to like actually trap these things by using the pinball targets and stuff like that. Um, it's got ramps, it's got targets, um, it's got modes. Um you know, it, uh, it, it sort of, and it's the got, box. it's got what, it, what this one had that a lot of other games did not have. Well, none of the other games had actually, instead of a flipper on the right hand side to hit the big jackpot shot, instead of a flipper, what it had was, was, uh, a Pokemon that would punch. I should know his name. I forget his name. I'm sorry. My Pokemon friends, I have forgotten you. Um, but it, it had like this, uh, what is that guy's name? I can't remember his name. But it had a Pokemon that you, instead of like pressing the flipper button, you had to press, well, you press the same button as the flipper on the right-hand side, and it would actually activate the flipper, but it would also activate the guy punching. Yeah. 
And he had to punch the ball up the far left ramp to do the loop. And it was a repeatable loop like, uh, you know, in like Iron Maiden or Jurassic Park or, uh, you know, any of these, even, even Roller Coaster Tycoon has a repeatable loop, right? So it had a really fun, really fast repeatable loop where it seemed like the ball speed would increase each loop properly like it should, whereas a lot of the other yeah. games were almost too easy that the ball speed coming into an in-lane off of a ramp was always so consistent that the game wasn't that enjoyable to play, but whereas this would mm. speed up and slow down. And the physics on this, like I gave this uh, like a 5 out of 5 for physics because I know the physics aren't perfect, but like it was almost as good as newer pinball arcade stuff. It honestly was. Like the like the obviously a lot of the newer games that are out there like you know Matt has all the ones with shout out to Mr. Uh, Matt McGoffin, um, he's got all the newer ones that have you know like you can even get Ghostbusters nowadays nowadays which is like a newer Stern from not that long ago right, and yeah. uh, th those games are incredibly realistic, so this is not well, that this is more cartoony, but this yeah. had the most butter shots. Like, the orbits felt like perfect orbits where you should be flipping an orbit on a pin. The ramps all felt good. Um, the ball spin felt great. The multi-ball modes were fun. The fact that you had to catch this Pokemon, like, after you had done all this stuff, like, you'd beat him down. You had to now catch him, and it was this one really hard, the hardest shot in the game with the right-hand um, guy that hits you, right? So, yeah, that was by far my favorite. Yours also? No, that was, what your, like, your second... Yeah, that one I scored a 22, um, which did tie with one of the other ones that we played. Um, the thing that I would also mention about this is it had some neat features that could totally be um, pinball. Like you talked about the guy who punches. He's not unlocked all the time, so you can't make that orbit, that loop orbit all the time. All you have the time, to right. do something to unlock him. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a Pikachu on both of the outlanes, uh, the outside outlanes. Um, and he only stands whichever flipper side you've just flipped. Right. Now, it's a ball save, um, or a kickback, I should say, um, and he has to be activated too, um, but then um, you just have to make sure he's on the side that you're going out so that he kicks it back once he's been activated. So right. there's a little bit of a manual kickback there. Um, uh, if you don't if you don't flip it over to the right side in time, then you've then you've lost your ball. Then you've lost it. And, and I thought and that was kind of cool, and that could be a feature on a real machine easily. Well, that is a feature on at least a couple machines. The one I'm thinking of okay. is uh, Rob Zombie. Once you've lit up all your chop letters, as long as you've got it in the proper outlane, I think it saves it. But maybe not identical to how that one does. Like that yeah, one was a still... little bit because you you were saying how you got to choose with your flipper, so. <laughs> Let's say you've spelled three of the letters of chop. If make sure the outlane it's going through spells the fourth letter by moving your flippers over. So it's similar to that in that you can save yourself by moving your flippers if it's going out in outlane. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's uh, yeah, talk about these other games. Yeah. I, we're getting real close to the hour here, and that's the max I can even record. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Peace Man Nick, I'm going to have to put yours up tomorrow, buddy. Um, I am possibly going to do another um, uh, show with Chrissy Intern uh, coming up either later on today or tomorrow, whenever we can manage to get together. Um, yeah. So I'm very excited for that. He's, of course, now moved up from Chris the Pinter. Now, that's still his name on Twitch. 
So make sure you guys go like and follow on there and check out some um, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. I do have to give a quick shout out to absolutely all my London, Ontario uh, Lopple friends and TCPL friends and um, everybody down there in Toronto at the CNE Pinball Championship. Uh, Virginia Hendricks actually drove up from our friends in the United States there, and she just actually won the Women's Championship. But Laura Edward, Megan Sprague, Julie Dorsers, and Donna Way, all of my friends were four. I knew four of the eight people, and I actually got to interview four of the eight women going into finals were interviewed at Pemberg by me. So I thought that was just so cool that I got to personally be cheering on like half the women going into finals. So I thought that was awesome. Um, I know that a lot of them did not make it on to the final of finals into the top four, um, but there was some great talent down from the, the U.S. And then I believe a girl named Anne from North Star here in Montreal. And Laura Edward actually did make the top four. So congratulations, Laura, on doing that. Um, that was really fun to watch. Gamma Goat on Twitch is my good buddy Ian Harewer, also known as the world's okayest pintern. Make sure, if you guys are listening to this today, they're going to be, uh, he's going to be broadcasting all day today. This is Sunday. Um, he, he's going to be broadcasting the finals. It's probably already started by now, to be honest. Sunday, August 18th. Uh, and you don't want to miss that. There is Bob Matthews, of course, who's an incredible name. Um, G Jeff Teolis is playing in it. Ian Harewer, uh, Sean Russell, Mike Dimas of the Canadian Pinball Podcast. Shout out. Um, Tony's not there because he just came back from an incredible trip up to Algonquin Park. But make sure you guys go watch that. I'm actually going to head over there now and just see if it's live. Eric, we've got about three minutes to finish these last few games. Let's try to get through them. Uh, I had yeah, here. We've only got a couple left. I know. We had here virtual pinball. That one was very, very low because it just wasn't awesome, right? Yeah, that was Electronic Arts. Um, that one was interesting because it had an editing mode. You could edit that, like make your own thing. It was a left to right play field, like a wide play field as opposed to a long play field, which yeah, is kind I thought of an that interesting was, decision. It was interesting to um, scroll so left to, and right instead of up and down. Get it over onto the right side and play that and then get it back over to the left side and, and stuff like that. It was interesting. Um, and then any table, you can change the theme so that it's like you know, hardwood or like, you know, monster guts or, you know, it's just, that was also kind of weird, but, but uh, interesting um, that you could just change the theme of the machine. Um, just like that. And everything else stayed the same. Just the theme changed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there was one thing I wanted to mention really quick is that there's a mode where your screen is just filled with flippers. Mm -hmm. I thought um, that was neat. I, I don't even know if you can win that. Um, it was just kind of funny. Yeah. It kind of was the, the ball, each ball time the seemed screen. to kind of go on forever, and it was kind of weird and clunky. <laughs> but like we were saying, when we chatted before we actually started this interview, um, I was saying that had that pinball editor been done better, more like Tony Hawk's uh, skate park editor, uh, you know, it was more drop and, yeah, yeah. you know, click and drop that it would have got more popular. And I think people would still play it today and that game would be highly prized. But you were suggesting that most people use yeah. something called visual pinball. Yeah, that's, that's more for designers. Um, I know that, um, I know that some people use it to sort of design games before they try and, and actually make them. Um, I haven't looked too far into it. I just, you know, ran across it on a, like a custom pinball forum. Um, 
it, it is not easy to use. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, not easy out of the to use. Like you have, it's a, there's a learning curve. Right. For sure. Um, but, uh, well, screw that game. It's uh, free. the next the nice game thing. is Motley Crue ball. <laughs> I gave that one my yeah, third highest actually, ranking. Yeah. This one tied with Pokemon Ruby for me. Um, Again, nostalgia like me and Matt played this on the Sega like back in the day when it was actually out. I think we rented it and it had, you know, like Motley Crue music and, uh, you know, it had kind of a heavy metal theme. Um, very colorful. Um, mm-hmm. There's lots to do. Um, like, you, uh, I think it's two or three different uh, sort of levels in the play field. Each of them have flippers and you got to get it up and do things. And then you're hitting all this crazy stuff that's flying at you. Um, and then eventually you open the video mode, um, which is this big ramp in the middle at the yeah. bottom. And then you just got to hit that ramp and then it like blasts off into space or whatever. And then you get this video mode. Um, that was also very fun. Okay, Eric, I got to cut you off here for one second only because we have two and a half yep. minutes left. And we played Behind the Mask. That game probably rounded out my top five. That game was neat. People can look it up for themselves. If the balls yeah. just friggin' hit each other in multiball and a couple other things, but that was neat. That had three different modes. I had yeah. uh, Sonic Spinball on here and I had Super Pinball. And we don't have time to talk about them. What we need to talk about is that awesome theme song that you made for me and you actually being, you know, the dude. So thank you so much for making that for me. I love that song. Everyone's heard it thinks it's freaking hilarious. Um, how did you end up doing that uh, Christopher Walken voice? Uh, well, I used to do it Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then when I was improving, and I'll make this quick. Um, I would pause all the time and then people were like, you sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger doing Chris Walken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and neither of my impressions are super great, but they're fun. Um, so I just sort of moved it over into the Christopher Walken. Um, there's some aspects of his voice that I still can't nail. Um, there are some, some, uh, nuances that, uh, make it better if you can get them. But, uh, well, are you wanting um, to give us I some Arnold or would you rather tell us about how you made that song? I uh, tell you about how I made the song. Um, it's it's not complicated. Like I like I thought it would be interesting to use because pinballs like uh, pinball games have like different tones and stuff like that. Even if there isn't music playing, like there was some musicality to the bells and and and, and, mm-hmm. and the bumpers and stuff like that sometimes. So I wanted to use those sounds as musical notes. Um, uh, and then you know just put it to a beat. Um, and it does make it kind of interesting. And then when I was like, I did that on my phone. And then when I was screwing around with it, I got that little, uh, uh, on my computer, I got that little shout out to, um, Star, or Star Trek. Right. Well, the part where it's like, do, 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 do. Yeah. Well, speaking of, we should play that on our way out of here, but listen, I wanted to tell everybody back in Ontario, how much I'm missing them, including yourself. You're one of my very good buddies there, and I wanted to thank you publicly on the show for all the help you did with my Twitch channel, getting it set up. Every live stream, guys, even if you don't see Eric, he's quite often there, or I have him on the phone, he's checking the audio for me, he's helping me out with all of that. I honestly could not have done uh, any of the, any of it without you, so I appreciate it so much. I'm going to let you go. I will we'll stay on the phone, I'll chat with you after, but I'm going to end the podcast uh, by finishing with your song, buddy. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. Until next time, pinball nerds, eat, sleep, and breathe. Eric Norwood Pinball. Prepare for multi-ball.